the attitude of the heart. And uh, for the last three weeks, we've been talking about different things in our heart that we believe that, that if we could get right, that it would change our lives forever. And how that what's going on on the inside of us determines how high we can go in Christ. And we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And we realize that it's one of the greatest sermons ever preached because Jesus was standing before a group of people and He began to tell them ways that, that they needed to live and things that they needed to do. That if they wanted to be blessed... Ways they needed to live. And the first week we talked about anger. And how that we can become so bitter in our hearts. And have so much hatred. And become so angry. That it affects the way that we live. And how that other people view us. And then we talked about growing up. We talked about how that, that we needed to be mature believers. And how that once we get saved. It's not the end of the line. It's not the end of the story, but it's just the beginning. And we begin to grow to be more like Him. Uh, uh, last week, we talked about being dependent on God and how that it's so easy for us to think that we have to fix everything and how that it's so easy not to truly depend on Him. And all of these things, they've been hard-hitting. They've not been something that's, that's easy to obtain. If it were easy to have these attitudes, then we'd all have them. Because all of us want more than anything to please God. This week we're going to talk about being worry-free. How many people just said, I'm out? How many people would say when you talk about being worry-free, you think it's impossible? Well, Jesus told us as He was preaching... And talking to this crowd in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, I'm going to read uh, several verses of Scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34 says this, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 31, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all, these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This morning we're going to talk about being worry-free. How many people have heard this passage of Scripture before? How many people read it and blow right by it because you think, well, that's, th- th- that reads nice? When we begin to talk about worry, uh, we can define it as the weight of the cares that we carry. The cares that we carry are heavy. And the problem is, is the longer that we carry them, the tireder we become, and the load doesn't get lighter, but it begins to get heavier. It begins to get heavier. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, that's why he said this, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You see, if you, you carry something long enough, you're not going to go to higher altitudes. You're going to sink to lower depths. You're going to sink into depression because you're carrying this. And at first you may be able to carry it well. But by the time that you've carried it so long, you become so tired that you begin to crumble under the weight of the load that you're carrying. And you see people all the time taking their lives. Why? It's because they've been carrying a weight and they get to a point and they, they think that they can't go on. That there's no way that they can, that they can live another day. And it would be easier that the, the weight would just be lifted. And they sink into a, a hopelessness. But that hopelessness is not something that we have to live in. Christ in this passage of Scripture is asking us to take the things that we care about, the things that we worry about, the weight that we carry, and to cast it on Him. Why? Because He cares for us. He doesn't want to see you crumble under the weight of the load that you are bearing. And you see, some of the things that we carry... Here's the issue. There's some things in our life that when we go through life, there's some things that need a response. But that response, there has to be an ability. You say, what are you you saying? I'm saying that there's things in our life that need a response. There are things that need to be taken care of. But the way they get taken care of, it has to be taken care of by someone who has the ability. And we have to realize that the weight that we carry, the cares of life, there are nothing we can do about it. If there is, you would have already done it. If the things that you worry about, if it's something that you could handle, you wouldn't just carry it around just for the fun of it. You would take care of it. You would fix the issue. But the reality is, is that that care in your life, it needs a response that is beyond our ability. That issue needs something that's beyond us. 
So we could look at worry in a a different sense. Worry can be a false sense of responsibility. You begin to worry about things that really aren't yours to worry about. You think, well, if I don't worry about it, then who will? How about God? You think He's big enough? You see, too many times I think that we, we shrink God down and we think, well, if I don't worry about this, I'm a, I'm a bad mom. If I don't worry about this, I'm a bad dad. If I don't worry about this, I'm a bad leader. If I don't worry about it, who will? If I don't worry about it, I'm a bad friend. And we take all of these things and we begin to worry about them when reality is they're not ours to worry about. And so in this passage of Scripture, Jesus begins to frame it for us. And he begins to say, this is what it should look like. And what he really tells us is that birds have it made. They have it made. You see, we all have things that we carry. And we all carry something different. In Psalm chapter 105, verse 37, we read, He also brought them out with silver and gold. In other words, they had wealth. And it says, And there were none feeble among his tribes. So they had health. But what didn't they have? They didn't have food. And in our lives, there can be things that are just great. But we all have that one area where we feel that we're lacking. We all have that one area that we tend to to worry about. And we have to understand that these things in that area, they're beyond us. They're beyond our ability. And there's things that you're believing for in your life. And it's great to believe for them. But you need to understand that those things are beyond your ability. And you're trying to be responsible. And you think, I need to worry about this. I need to to make sure that it happens. I need to do whatever I can do to fix it or to make it happen. There's things in this church that I look at and think, God, it, it needs to be this way. And it's very tempting to say, I, I can do it. But I have to realize it's beyond me. It's going to take God. If we're going to see this community touched, if we're going to see lives changed, if we're going to see marriages put back together, there's nothing that I can say. There's nothing that I can do. It takes God. And the quicker we can realize that, it helps free us up. It might go beyond you. It might go beyond me. But it doesn't go beyond God. And you see what worry is. Worry is like a blanket. A blanket that you ever felt smothered. My wife got this idea because she's a restless sleeper. She thought, I want one of them weighted blankets. Anybody have any of those? We talk to people and like, they're awesome. They're great. My wife used it for 30 minutes, maybe 30 seconds, and she said, oh, I'm smothering. And she took that thing and she threw it off. We wrapped it back up and sent it back to Amazon. But she felt smothered. And that's what worry can do to you. That's what worry can do to me. But today, this morning, I'm going to talk about three things that I believe that will help us throw off the blanket 
of worry that the enemy tries to use to smother you. Because what happens if you become smothered? If it happens that way long enough, what happens? You die. You can't die without, you can't live without breath. And so the enemy uses, and he's very good at using worry to try to take your breath, to try to take your life, and to keep you from living. So three things. The first thing is, we need to understand that being in covenant guarantees provision. Being in covenant with God guarantees provision. Let's look at these birds. And as I said, birds have it made. There are a few places around town that you can eat outside. Moe's, Panera Bread, uh, and these are places that, that we go. And, and when we take Reese, she's not concerned one bit about her eating. She wants to feed the birds. And so here we are. You know, if you go to Panera Bread, that's, that's expensive stuff. And she's sitting there, and she's not feeding herself. She's wanting to take pieces of it and give it to the birds. And I'm thinking, them birds haven't done anything for you. They're going to take your food. They're going to fly away, and it's something I paid for. And then you're going to be hungry. She doesn't care. She wants to feed the birds. And so then what happens? If you feed one, man, they come flocking in. And they just hang around. And they think, look at that little girl. She's so sweet. If I stay here long enough, I'm going to get fed. I'm not going to have to do anything. I'm not going to have to go hunt for it. I'm not going to have to do... It's just going to, it's going to happen. And they find themselves being cared for. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, we read... It says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into the barns. In other words, they don't do anything. Yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. They're not even implementing biblical principles. We talk about in the Bible about sowing and about reaping and about gathering. Now, I'm not promoting laziness, and I don't believe that this Scripture is promoting laziness. But I believe what God wants us to understand and God wants us to realize is that we have an amazing God that goes beyond ourselves. We have an amazing God that He said He's going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us. And He says that neither your works nor your worth are a prerequisite for your provision. That's what he said here. He said it's not anything that you do, and it's not anything of how valuable you are. I'm going to take care of you. And if we look right now, our dad, our heavenly father, is feeding the birds right now, not based on their works or their worth, but based on the heart of who he is. He is a God that will provide for us. And if you have a covenant with God, did you do anything to deserve that? No. He says, while we were yet sinners, He died for us. We did nothing to deserve the love that He showed toward us. But we can enter into a covenant with Him. And our works or our worth do not merit our salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn it. But what happens is, is we have things that feed our worry. And one of those things, guilt feeds worry. Guilt feeds worry. Here's what happens in our minds. We think, I need God to provide for me, but I haven't 
been doing all the, the checklist of things that I feel like I need to do. So he's not going to provide for me. It's almost like going to somebody and, and asking them for something when you've never done anything for them. And sometimes we look at God and we think, well, I haven't done enough for him to provide for me. I haven't did enough for him. I've failed him too many times to merit his provision. But all you have to do is be in covenant with him. Now you're getting ready to hear something you may have never heard a preacher say in your life. But I want to use this as an example. Paying tithes does not earn you provision. It doesn't earn you provision. Tithing isn't required for God to be your father. How many people have kids? How many have one kid? You don't have to raise your hand because they may be sitting here. How many have one kid that did everything that you wanted them to do growing up? And then you had another kid that was the wild child. Guess what? Just because you had one kid that did what you wanted them to do, and you had another kid who was crazy, I was the good kid. And that's the truth. My sister was the wild child, and I hope she's watching this morning. My sister, whew, she was something else. Just mischievous. I mean, when you get a call, and, and, and I think it was, I don't know if it was her leg or her arm. She was in a cast. I can't remember. It was one or the other. And, and she was like in middle school. And we get a call. She's been in a fight. I'm thinking, you had a cast on. What, what, what are you doing? I guess she thought it was a good chance to use it as a weapon. Snuck out of the house. Just crazy stuff. Now, she's... She's 180 now. She's, she's perfect. But guess what? Mom and dad didn't say, well, you're my child and you're not. Why? Because they had a covenant. I was their son. I belonged to the family. And so did she. Does God want you to tithe? Absolutely. Do, do we believe that in tithing and that it, that it, that it helps, live a, helps us live an upgraded life? Do we think that there's a, a biblical principle to giving? Absolutely. But God will provide for you if you're in covenant with him. God's heart doesn't change based on what we do. And we've allowed guilt to play into the way that, that we live our lives. And we believe that we have to check off all of these things for God to be our Father. For God to, we have to keep all the laws. We have to do all this stuff. But we can be in covenant with Him. And He says if we're in covenant with Him, there are things that He will do. He will provide for us. His heart is toward us. He didn't feed the birds based on their works or their worth. God's going to feed us. And God desires us to be motivated by love, not guilt. If we do stuff out of guilt, number one, people are going to know it. 
Number two, it's going to be more of a chore or a duty in our lives than it is a desire. God says, be motivated not out of guilt. Don't give out of guilt, but give out of love. We talk about that all the time. And I'm just using it as an example because everybody understands money. But there's things in your life that you need to realize need to be motivated by love. Secondly, let peace be your guide. Let peace be your guide. Now, I know that, that in this auditorium right now, there are some professional worry warts. How many people just be honest? Let's see it. All right. Come on. Yes. Worry, 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 worry. Somebody said, I, I, I don't have to worry because my wife does it all for me. I didn't say that. I might be able to apply it to my life, but I don't worry because my wife does all for me. But there are people who are professional worriers. I mean, they have a degree in worrying. My mom, we just talk about the whole family today. We will go somewhere that may be like on vacation. She is scared to death. Be sure you watch Reese. No, Mom, we're not going to watch her. Now, you know, somebody can just sneak up on you anytime and just, you know, and all the time, just worry, 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 worry. Love you, Mom. How many people know people like that? No matter what, they're going to worry. Well, Jesus said this five times. He said it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, verse 27, verse 28, verse 31, and verse 34. He said, take no thought. Take no thought. In the Greek, that says, don't let thoughts take you. Now, he's not saying blank out your mind. What he's saying is, is do not let your thoughts take you captive. Do not let yourself dwell on something so much that you become a prisoner to it. That you're tied to it. That it weighs you down like an anchor. That it steals your peace. I read an article about worry. And the way they described it is, is that fog... If there's fog that covers seven city blocks, the amount of fog it would take, there's 60 trillion fog droplets to create seven city blocks of fog. And if you could take those 60 trillion fog droplets and squeeze them together, you would have about four ounces of water, half a glass. Of water. But that half a glass of water has spread to cover seven city blocks. And in that seven city blocks, it can cause accidents. It can cause airports to be shut down. I remember growing up that we, uh, <clears throat> we pastored a church. My mom pastored a church that was, we had to go over a big mountain to get to the church. And it was, would be so foggy sometimes that my dad would be driving and my mom would literally be hanging out the window trying to see what was in front of us. 
That's what fog can do. And sometimes our minds are that way. We allow something to expand. We dwell on it. We look at it. And we worry about it. And we think, God, when are you going to do this? God, when are you going to fix this? God, how are you going to do this? You have something, maybe a place, come up on your body. Or maybe you begin to feel a certain way. What's the first thing that we do? We Google it. Symptoms. Google it. And before you can finish reading, you've got it. Guaranteed. And you sit there and worry about it. Oh my God, I've got it. I may not make it through the day. I've got it. Or we look at things and say, well, well, I know somebody else that went through this situation and it didn't work out for them. And it shuts us down. But we have got to learn to let peace be our guide. You don't know how God's going to do it. You don't know when He's going to do it. But He promises us that He's going to do it. You don't know how He's going to provide, but He's going to provide. And we don't have to know. We don't have to understand. There's a God in heaven that if you're in covenant with, He understands and He knows. And what happens is, is we get bogged down in the understanding. We want to understand it. And when you do that, you begin to lose your peace. And the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We believe, God, if I have an understanding, I'll have peace. If I can just understand how it's going to work, if I can understand or know what's going to happen, I can have peace. But this verse tells us that peace surpasses our understanding. And the problem is, is we try to stick to and figure out the understanding and we let peace go by because it's moved beyond our understanding. We can't understand it. We can't explain it. Have you ever looked at somebody going through something and they've just got a peace and you think, how do you have such a peace in the middle of this moment? It's because they're not relying on their understanding. They're not relying on what it looks like to them. They have understood and they've let peace be their guide and they've tied themselves to peace. When we went to Mexico, my mom was scared. She really would have been scared when we got into this shuttle from the airport to the hotel. And we get in, don't half know what they're saying, have no idea where we are. And you start going down the road and all the signs you can't read. I mean, I had three years of Spanish and I didn't even know how to say hello. I learned it before the week was up. But you're going down the road and, and you're looking at, and we begin to go out into this, and, and it looks like they're taking us out somewhere to kill us. And you can't read the signs. I mean, the, as far as I know, the sign could have said, You're going to be killed ahead. I had no idea. So I had two options I could sit there and worry about where this man was taking us. Because I didn't understand it. Or I could realize I was on vacation and I could sit back and have confidence that the man driving the bus had my best interest in mind. 
and that he knew what the sign said. And he knew that going through the wilderness, it looked like, was taking us to the beach. And I could just live and walk and abide in that peace, trusting the person who was in control of the bus. Two options. And in life, it's the exact same way. We need to learn to let peace be our guide. To let know that, that, that God has your best interest in mind. To understand that sometimes we just need to sit back and relax. Trust the driver. Follow peace rather than understanding. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in Him. Let peace be your guide. Don't wait for peace. Seek it. Too many times we say, well, I'm just waiting for peace. It's not what the Bible says. Psalm chapter 34 verse 14 says this, seek peace and pursue it. What does that mean? Well, where does our peace come from? It comes from God. So seek peace, or maybe seek the one who provides the peace and pursue it. Why? Because why is peace paramount in your life? You see, if you're most aware of your problem or your situation, if you focus on your problem or your situation, you will spend your entire, entire life wringing your hands. You'll spend your entire life with elevated blood pressure because you are more aware of your problem or your situation. And what we need to do is we need to become more aware of the fact that you're in covenant with God and that He knows where He's taking you. When I was on that bus, if I would have let myself, if I wouldn't have sought after peace, I could have been really nervous. I could have been really worried. And you can either focus on your problem and your limited understanding, or you can focus on the peace that heaven has for you. My life verse. If anybody asks me, what's the one verse in the Bible? And I think we have different verses for different seasons in our life. But for quite some time now, mine has been Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. That says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then let him give you everything else. But we want to sit and worry about all the everything else's. All the situations or the problems or the circumstances. But God wants to free us from worry to free us to dream. He wants to free us from worry. To free us to dream. So that we can begin to think bigger than we think. 
You see, we spend all of our time and all our effort and our energy pursuing things that God has already said He's going to provide. But I believe that God wants to use my faith. He wants to use your faith for more than just the day-to-day stuff. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, we read, it says, So if God closed the, closed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you? And then He says this, O oh, you of little faith. That's found three times in the Bible. One time He's talking about protection from the storm. He's talking about provision in another instance. And then He's talking about uh, productivity. Because they don't have bread and they have nothing to produce it. But can I tell you that worry isn't going to bring it to you. Someone said that, that worry is like a rocking chair. It's something to do, but it never gets you anywhere. Worrying is not going to change one thing. But your covenant is. Worry has no power to produce, to provide, or protect you. Protect you. Worry has no power to produce, to provide, or to protect. So it's something that you, that you do. Some of you on a daily basis. It can't produce for you. It can't provide for you. And it cannot protect you. Thirdly. We need to realize that God is in your tomorrow. God is in your tomorrow. You would think that in this passage of Scripture that verse 33 would be a great place to stop. You look at it and you say, yeah, that's perfect. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else will be added to us. The end. But Jesus didn't stop there. We have verse 34 that says this. Matthew chapter 6 verse 34 says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Because God is in your tomorrow. And if you're letting peace be your guide... You understand that that He goes before you. That God is in your tomorrow. The children of Israel, we talked about that verse in Psalm that said that they had health and wealth, but they had no food. So here they are, and they're at this point. and, And, you know, how many people know you have to have food to live, right? You can't go very long without food. And so they begin to worry about, what are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? And Moses says, be at peace. The same God that brought you out of bondage, the same God that brought you out of Egypt is going to provide because he has a covenant with you. But they look at it and say, well, how is he going to do that? We're in a wilderness where there's only sand. Moses said, don't worry about it. There's a a God that's going to take care of it. Don't think about what we're going to eat. Instead, let's think about what God has called us to. Let's think about the promised land that He's called us to. Let's use our faith to help us in conquering 
this land that he's promised us. Let's worry about going in and possessing it. You see, they weren't using their faith in the right way. God had so much more for them. So what happens? Exodus chapter 16 verse 7 says, And in the morning you shall see the glory of God. When the sun burns up the fog, there's going to be bread. And that's exactly what happened to the children of Israel. And for 1,300 days, God was in there tomorrow. Listen, we look at our lives and we look at and we worry about tomorrow. But I believe that, that what God did for the children of Israel is just something that we can learn from. Something that we can cling to. He said, every morning when you get up, bread is going to be there. You have the, the health and the wealth that I brought you out with. But I'm going to provide for you bread. Don't worry about it. Why was that? Because they needed to understand that God had called them to something. Why do you think Jesus wasn't worried about when they were in the storm? He says that they were out in a boat and Jesus, they were in a, a huge storm. And Jesus was asleep. Why was he not worried? Why was he able to speak peace? You can't give something that you don't have. You can't give something that you don't have. Why did Jesus have peace? Because he knew who held his tomorrow. He knew that God had called him to something. He knew that he had a reason and a purpose. And he wasn't worried about the storm. Because he knew God was his provision. There's some of you here today that, that you need to understand. You need to realize you need to, to hold to the fact that God is in your tomorrow. Know that the bread's going to be there. Live a life that's, that's not worryful, but that's worry-free. You have something in your life right now, there's no doubt in my mind, that needs a response beyond your ability. And I know a God. And if you're in covenant with him, you know a God. He says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. God, just like the children of Israel, he didn't bring us this far to leave us. He has promised us that he would never leave us, that he would never forsake us. He has promised us that he would always be with us. My first question to you is, is God your father? Are you in covenant with him? Because if, if he's not in your heart and you've never made him Lord, then this doesn't apply to you. You aren't in covenant. And you're going to have to go through life without the promise of provision. So with every head bowed and every eye closed... If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I have never trusted God. 
I have never asked him to come into my life. I have never entered into covenant with him. And my life is filled with worry. The first step, the first step to becoming worry-free is to make sure that you're in covenant with Him. If you're here this morning, I, I, I couldn't close this service without asking, would there be one person that says, I need Him in my life? Thank you. I need Him in my life. God wants to be your provider. How many people here this morning would say, Pastor, guilty as charged. I live my life. Sometimes it's even not, even not evident to the people around me because I internalize it so much. But I worry. But today I want to take steps to become worry free. How many people would say that's me? Thank you. I'm tired of this weight. I'm tired of this weight. It's getting so heavy. Today's your opportunity. To do as he commands us to do. And says, give it to me. Cast it on me. Because I care for you. I'm not saying that the, the thing that you worry about isn't real. What I'm saying is, is there is a real God. Who promises to take care of it. Anyone else? I'm a worrier. I'm tired of it. Thank you. Let him speak to your heart this morning. Sometimes we're scared of silence. It's in those times that we can hear God. Holy Spirit, speak in this place. Tired. Where he's about to take me under. Anyone else? Thank you. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Helping you overcome worry is something that's beyond my ability and it's beyond your ability. Because in our own human nature, when situations and things happen in our life, it's natural to worry. 
It's natural to be concerned. But God is a supernatural God. And He sees right where you are. And He sees that weight that you've been carrying. And He wants more than anything to free you from it. He wants more than anything for you to be able to throw that blanket off, put it in the corner somewhere, never to pick it up again. Can I be honest? As pastor, there are times that I fear giving an altar call, asking people to come forward. Because the enemy tells me, this is just me being honest, what if nobody comes? Been there? What if nobody comes? How stupid are you going to look? And I believe that God's been doing something in me to help me understand that if you give the opportunity or if you don't give the opportunity, how stupid are you going to look? And so this morning, I, I refuse to let the fear... of silence outweigh what I feel in my heart. So if you're here this morning and you raised your hand or even if you didn't, as they play, as they sing, whatever they're going to do, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if you're tired of it, if you're ready to throw it off, I'm going to give you an opportunity to walk down front to sh and to have our prayer team pray for you, to believe with you. We talked last week how that when Moses became so weary that he couldn't lift his hands, that the battle was being lost. And there's some of you here this morning that you're so tired that you cannot lift up your hands. You've worried and you've worried and you've worried and it's, it has beaten you down. And you're mentally and physically fatigued. Can I tell you that there are people in this church that want to be your Aaron and your her. Who want to help you lift up your hands so that you can start to win the battle. So as I pray, if you raised your hands or if you feel the, the, the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, you don't have to leave here like you came in. You don't have to leave here worrying about things that you don't need to worry about. So as I begin to pray, I'm going to challenge you.
to listen to the Holy Spirit and walk to this altar and let us pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you right now. Holy Spirit, there is no doubt in my mind, God, that you are in this place and that you are speaking to the lives of people this morning. God, we've allowed the enemy to beat us down, to cause us to worry, to cause us to doubt, to cause us to fear. But God, I believe with everything that is within me that you are here this morning to set people free. Do not allow us to leave this moment, to walk out of this moment, without giving it to you, without trusting you. God, you see every person. God, you know us. You know the very numbers of hairs on our head. God, you know us. God, speak to us today. Speak to us today. God, may we trust you. God, may we know that if we're in covenant with you, you're going to provide. God, may we realize, God, that you're our Father. God, that you love us. God, may we realize that you're in our tomorrow. Church, right where you stand, will you... These are real stories right here. These are our friends, some our family. Real struggles. Will you take a moment to pray for them? Will you take a moment to stretch your hand forward? Pray that God do something in their life that is beyond their ability, that's beyond our ability, but it's not beyond His ability.